Listener Production. commentator and journalist Greg Rust and this is Rusty's Garage. Evil Knievel was a motorcycle stunt daredevil whose death-defying jumps coupled with his showmanship made history in the 60s and 70s. The modern-day equivalent in many people's eyes is an Aussie by the name of Robbie Madison. Robbie grew up on the coast south of Sydney, but these days his talents have wowed audiences right round the world. I caught up with him while he was back down under for one of the biggest dirt bike racing events of the year, the AusX Open, which his son was competing in. Even a man with nerves of steel like his is no match when that protective parental gene takes over. I am a nervous dad. I mean, it's great to be at the AusX Open. I think the... the uh the atmosphere, the the energy here is, is awesome. It's electric. It's you know has this everything of a US event, and uh, to be riding here is special for me. But even to have my son out here is is, is something else. You know, I'd, for a long time I've been saying he's not going to be a motorcycle rider, and whether I like it or not, this is he's following in my footsteps. He watches it. He's been watching it ever since he's been a baby. So he just wants to catch air. He tells me he wants to fly, and that's what I used to say when I was his age. That's really cool. Um, we'll talk more about how you're inspiring people in that regard. Even a new book that you've got out for young kids um, at the moment. What's your earliest memories of, of going fast and a connection with a with a motorcycle? Oh well, um, well I, I remember the first time I rode vividly. You know, I was uh, on a peewee, and uh, and I mean that time was was a short time, but I quickly jumped the, the fifty until I broke it, and I got onto uh, onto a cake sixty, and that's when I remember going fast. I had six gears, a clutch. I remember hanging off the back of that thing, <laughs> feet flying backwards, and uh, I actually remember my dad uh, getting on it, and, and he hit the power and just ripped him up on a wheelie, and, and he was out of control. So it's um, yeah, the earliest memory uh, is, is on a cake sixty. I was like a, a flea on a dog's back, and uh, I remember starting on the start line, standing beside the bike and getting it going, and then swinging the leg over, and but. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I've just been, ever since riding motorcycles for the first time, I remember just uh, experiencing the freedom of it and, and then just the meditative kind of experience you get because there's so much going on in a motorcycle and motorcycle riders know this. There's no time to think about what's going on in the past, the future. It's just all right here, right now. It puts you in the present in, in the present form and, and that's where I like to operate. So that's why I just love riding bikes because it's to me it's meditation. <laughs> A lot of people in life, um, you know, maybe it's a teacher at school or sometimes mum and dad, you'll talk to people like you and the teachers have often said to them, you know, hey, get serious here, you need to get a real career or parents try to dissuade them. Did that happen to you or are you always encouraged to do this? Well, all through school, funny enough, I never told anyone I rode motorcycles because I had my motorcycle stolen when we lived at Wanoona on the south coast and when we moved to Kiama, I just, I maintained that I didn't have bikes and when people saw them and asked them about them, I said, oh, they're my cousins, my dad works on them. So no one knew I rode motorcycles. So it was a really shock to everyone I went to high school with when all of a sudden, you know, I became on the world stage. They're like, how did you do that? You never rode. And I'm like, oh, well, actually I rode for 10 years. You just never knew. <laughs> so I never really spoke about it. So no one really, I never got to hear people's opinions but um but yeah i was told um by my dad actually you know to that 
I will, he's like, you're not going to become a, free, a motorcycle rider uh, a professional. He's like, you need to go and do a trade, something that you can come back on. He's like, and once you get your trade, then by all means, you have my blessing to go and um, pursue it. Yeah. But he said, go get your trade first so you have something to fall back on. So I did it. I went and got my trade, become a Sparky. And during that time, life took some turns and, um, you know, I had meningitis. And, and funny enough, I, I, was, I was happy to be an electrician. And I had a plan to go to uh, over to the West Coast and go on the big mine and that was my plan and then after meningitis I was like man I always had this dream to ride a motorcycle and, and I realised how fragile life was after being on my deathbed with meningitis I was like you only get one shot at life and my ultimate goal was to ride a motorcycle for a living and at least just I'd been, seen Krusty Demons I'd seen Dane Kennard Luke Urek guys I grew up racing with they're out there in Krusty Demons and, and riding with American guys and I knew I used to race these guys I was on their level I'm like I can do this and then so I, I after leaving the Krusty show I had a new goal changed my ways up from from what I was doing at the time and started riding dirt bikes every opportunity I could and, and, and sooner enough I asked my boss for some time off and he said no and I said oh well I'm, I'm quitting and he said well you, how can you quit you know and I said he's like you own a house and I said yeah I, I know but luckily enough I bought the house at, a, at the right time so I was able to uh get a um a loan on the equity i had built up in the house which was which was really cool and, and so i took a, a a loan out and self-funded myself quit working followed my dream to ride dirt bikes and i thought if it doesn't work out i can sell the house and and, and not owe anyone a cent and fortunately enough it worked out that's a big punt were there ever moments where you went man i'm not sure this is going to work you know to to do what i have done every every step of the way every decisions are all in gamble so from from the time of like you know, fi- refinancing my house to fu- to fund my dream, right through my whole career, everything's been all in. You know, all chips on black or red or whatever it is. You know, so you know when you jump on world records, you're going up over the buildings. Um, you know, over the Crinth Canal, London Tower Bridge, all the stuff I've done, even freestyle motocross. You know, doing body burials and backflips. It's if you're not 100 percent committed to it, if there's an ounce of you that's second guessing it, surely enough something's going to go wrong. And and I think that's how it is. Even for the guys that are behind the gate racing up for, for uh, going into a race, you know they're all in, confident that they're just going to give it their all. There's nothing left on the table, and and so that's just how life's been for me. And and even now, you know, I've worked so hard, and I'm about to take another financial risk where I'm putting everything back on the table because uh, I just I'm following my dreams, and then that's what it's about for me. Uh, even this bike and this development of this bike that I'm trying to do, it's been self-funded so much this, this part of it, and um, for the long for the for the majority of it, and. Yeah, it's like from the from the outside looking in, it probably looks like it's a glory lifestyle, but it's it's uh, it's it's a rocky road, and you never know when you're going to fall. And and um and so I just live by the seat of my pants. I keep following my dreams, and I just keep backing myself in. I'll talk a bit more about your career then in a minute. But can you share a bit more about that bike and what you're planning to do? Yeah, so the bike, um, you know, a, a lot of people have said, you know, I've heard the opinions around the place, and and I totally get it. You know, a, a lot of brands um, don't really want to jump on top of it because they uh, they're, they're worried about where it's going and, and you know I guess from from an outsider's perspective they're unsure of what I'm doing and it's not really a sport in, in, in it's, it's not a sport you know but in my mind this is going to be a sport of the future you know I, I, I firmly believe I, I you know my partners who are involved with me who, who know the, the the direction that I'm going um, we are all on the same page. We know that this is, is going to be a good thing. So it's, um, you know, I have uh, Body Glove is a sponsor of mine. It may seem weird that I'm running Body Glove on my bike because they're, you know, famously a surf brand. But their slogan is all things water. 
so that's where I fit into the to the to their marketing and their branding and and um, you know they people saw me do Pipe Dream and that was a motorcycle with skis on it and I recently went to Cloud Break in Fiji to try and get the barrel that I was after. That didn't work out. I copped a lot of flack off um, Stab Magazine. They did a full article and, and a lot of people had opinions on, on on how what I was doing was stupid and and even people just attacking me directly and and at the end of the day I you know I let it brush off my shoulders and I was like you know what this is motivating me to to follow through. It's been a long road of a lot of ups and downs and it's been times where I've thought this is too much and I've given up but to make this work I needed to find the right people and I'm talking about engineers that are at the top of their game and and I don't know how to find those people I guess I, I was thinking about do I go to you know to these universities and, and ask for who their top you know mechanical engineers are and, and start figuring it that way and I thought you know what if it's meant to be it'll happen mm-hmm. that's my philosophy with, with life and um and so I just followed my heart and I put myself in the right place and, and I know I'm in the right place at the right time when, when things just start clicking the, and, the, and the planets start aligning. And two weeks ago I was, I was doing some um, rehabilitation actually. Um, and it's a trial procedure I was doing and this, um, a neurologist came in and he showed me how he flew a jetpack. And, and, and I said, who, who made the jetpack? And he said, oh, this kid here. And it was like a guy next to him and he's younger than me and I said you made it and he said yeah and I said how old are you and he's like I'm 30 and I was like wow that's that's impressive and uh, I said how long did it take you to make it and he said well from idea to finished project it took me six months I was like wow I've been working on this motorcycle for five years and it hasn't really developed too much I said mate I need someone like you to help me finish off my project of where I'm doing he's like oh the bike on the water he knew who I was knew what I was about and he's like I'd love to help you mm-hmm. so right there we had a match made in heaven and uh, between him and some other partners we are modeling this thing out it's 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 moving forwards and hopefully early next year we're going to have a prototype built do a badass film and 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 expose the world what what's going on in my mind and and hopefully have the a tool for the future so people can convert their motorcycles to jet skis uh, and well a a jet ski hybrid motorcycle where you've got a foot of suspension all the luxuries of a dirt bike handle and feel like a dirt bike but on the water and that's what I wanted to create that's what I always envisioned you know as a kid surfing on the south coast of Kiama I'd always sit in the ocean I always think how good would it be to jump off this wave to that one over there and now that's what my goal is that's my my vision so I'm going to turn my KTM from 72 horsepower to 150 horsepower, supercharge it, and uh, the thing's going to float, and we're going to be able to do freestyle motocross in the water. That is mighty. That is mighty. And for people that are listening that, you know, might think that sounds like a crazy pipe dream, you've done some unbelievable things with dirt bikes on the water. How much planning has gone into that? Do you enjoy the engineering challenge of all that? And, and it takes time, mate, doesn't it, to, to execute it? Yeah, 100%. It's, it's something that's uh, humbled me and has made me understand a lot more about life, you know, because uh, for the most part, the last 10 years, it's just been going from event to event, which is which is cool. It's exciting. But I realised a few few years ago, like, all right, this time of my life's coming to an end. I've had back surgery. I've had all these head injuries. I've, you know, I have uh, post-traumatic impact syndrome. So when I take a big spill, I literally die on the way to hospital. Um, you know, I have to get inebriated and put on life support every time I have a head injury. So it's a rocky road. Now that the kids are around, I'm like, they're my main goal. Um, and so I I started this whole thing to follow my dream and my dream has changed from wanting to be the best at freestyle now I'm happy to stand back and, and praise the guys like Harry Bink and Josh Sheen and, and Jacko Strong and Rob Adelberg and all these stars that are of the future now um, happy to look at them and, and know that I had I inspired them and, 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 I'm, and I'm the first to say I'm not on their level and, and uh but you know to ride here at the Ozex Open and ride with them is, is awesome for me I'm having such a great time out there but yeah, to follow this dream of mine, um, 
and to now make this bike now that's where my vision's at I want to make this bike and there's a few other things that I want to do that are totally outside of freestyle motocross and yeah it seemed like a long road and it's been it's been uh, it's had its uh, its ups and downs and there's been for a time where I've had to really dig deep and, and I've had to think why am I doing this and it's cost me money and, and, and the vision seems so far away of what I want to do and I actually question myself am I actually with it you know is this even a re- reality or can I even do what I'm envisioning and yeah slowly I've given up and I've come back to realise that it is true it is valuable and, and, and viable and and you know that technology exists to make all this work and and i knew i didn't have the brains to make it happen but i had the vision and and as a matter of finding the people that could help the other pieces of the puzzle it's always a, a team effort no matter what any any amazing feat is always a team effort and so i just had to build the right team and i feel i've got the power team now and, and i think that we're well on our way to make this thing a reality this is greg rust and you're listening to rusty's garage In this series, I speak to some of the most passionate riders, drivers, designers and collectors I know, like Ryan Briscoe, the diversely successful Aussie racer whose path has taken him to Formula One with Toyota and some of the biggest teams in sports cars and IndyCar in the United States. However, it was in Chicago that his career almost came to a frightening end. It was a massive impact. I think they saw on the... uh on the car, the G-force spiked at 100 and between 170 and 190 Gs. I mean, it went straight into the pole. The engine stuck on the pole. Listen to the full episode with Brian Briscoe here on Rusty's Garage. Brake bias: the distribution of braking power across the front and back of your car. Of all the feats that you've done, and I mean, they're countless. I mean, you talked before about Corinth Canal, I mean, Arc de Triomphe in Vegas, uh, London Tower Bridge. I mean, there's so many things that you've you've done. And jumping over a, 100 metres, for example, I mean, it's just mega, mate. Is there one that stands out? Is there a thing that you're most proud of? Or is it a fact that you've had a crack at all of these and that there is seemingly no limits in some respects? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I think my career's definitely moulded me. It's changed my perspective on life. Um, and looking back, I'm pretty happy to just say, well, I had a great career, you know, and I'm, I'm very proud of it. So there's not really one that stands out because they all have their own special place. I mean, I have to say the building jump in, in Vegas on and off the Arc de Triomphe was probably the standout moment of my career just because of the exposure it got. And it was so far of left field for what was expected at the time that it, it, it hit well it was good for me it put me on the map for sure and and then I think the pipe dream stuff was great and I think some people like from what I've seen online people are like oh stop beating a dead horse you know but they don't realise what I'm trying to do with this thing so um, I think you know moving on I think this bike you know in the future could maybe come my, my, the, my best work yet um, so it's uh, and then beyond that I have another plan and it's going to be with these same partners of, of evolving the bike and making it do something else that's pretty special so I, the, the future's bright I'm excited and these ideas of, of combining the forefront of technology with, with where, my, where, where my mind's at where my imagination's at it's, it's an exciting journey Tell me about your first bike and have you I spoke to Daryl Beatty about this very recently he's actually gone back and found the first ever motorcycle that he owned and he's going through a restoration process have you have you kept any bikes along the way that you've cherished maybe your first bike or anything along the, along those lines well my first bike I just don't know what happened to it it's a bummer but um, not long ago my wife bought um, the same model 
and my dad restored it for me. So I have a 1985 QR50, which is really cool. It's in mint condition. Actually, it's no mint condition. My nephew crashed it and <laughs> bent it, bent the vase. But uh, what mods? Any mods on it? No mods. It's just stock the way I wrote it. Um, my dad did a lot of work to re- um, recondition the plastics and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I actually have kept all the special bikes that I've done stuff over from all the years. So I have about 35 motorcycles, and wow. um, they're not all in the original conditions because a lot of them I did something spectacular on it. Then I, you know, for instance, my uh, my 250 that I jumped on and off the Arc de Triomphe, I did that jump, but then I rode it for another year in freestyle motocross competition, so it's not how it was on the night. But one day I'll get back to restoring it back to how it was and. Yeah, it's cool. I got a I got a massive shed full of all these projects for the future. So I'm going to be happy tinkering around in my garage when I'm an old man. Nice. I ask people often, um, what's in the garage? What do they like to? What's it? What's the daily drive or ride for Robbie Madison? And is there a little something special that you like to take out every once in a while? Um, I really want to buy the Tesla, the Type S. Wow. Um, one of my friends has one, and, and he's the guy that's actually another partner in this water bike project, but he does 3D modelling. So he modelled the Tesla without the panels on it, and then he modelled a Lamborghini with the panels on it, and then he can make the Lamborghini's kit fit directly on the Tesla, and the thing looks amazing. So it's a hybrid kind of... It's the top of it's a Tesla, but the bottom of it's a Lamborghini, and it looks awesome. And, uh, and you know, so he did... I think he built that Cayu border for 50,000 years, and his kit is about 6,000 US and then he did the leather interior but all up around 60,000 US for this um, for a used Tesla that looks like something from I mean a really really nice high end car so I want a Tesla just because I like the fact of you know the new technology the electric you know zero emissions all that kind of stuff I love that I love what Elon Musk is doing where his mind's at and what he's doing so I want to support Elon Musk's program I'd love to meet the guy one day but um but yeah, my everyday um, has been an Escalade. We actually just got rid of it before I flew back here. Now I've got a BMW 7 Series. I love that car. It's so comfortable. But um, I drive a van. My everyday driver is a van. I drive around in a... In like a, the early days probably, wasn't of your career? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not a Toyota Hiace. I drive a GMC. It's a 2500 extended cab. It's got a wall in it. So we've got like a, a, a seat that folds into a, a futon. Nice. So you can sleep in it. And you fit three dirt bikes in the back. And it's been beat up. But uh, just recently, actually, the guys at Line have, have linexed the outside and the inside of my car so it's finally going to be Maddo proof <laughs> what does that mean oh mate if you see my way I drive like there's not a panel on the cars that isn't bent but yeah I, when I was testing this water bike I was driving it down into this area and I took a chainsaw and cut a tunnel into this in these uh area that I shouldn't have been at uh, I, I found that out um, after the state officials came and threatened to take my car jet ski and motorcycle off me but I rode in on the bike and he's like that's really cool man he said but you're breaking a lot of laws right now and I said I, dude I have to follow my dream I just had to make it happen and he's like get out of here he's like I'm meant to take all this stuff off you he said I'm not going to but yeah my car going in and out of that tunnel it's just uh, through the trees it's branches and stuff scratching it but uh, yeah my wife and I don't have too, too good a track record of keeping cars straight but you know we're there to drive them but uh, yeah one day I'd like to have an old school hot rod you know a rat rod is what I'd like to have a rat rod and, and, uh, and a rat Harley something like that I'd, I'd like I like things that are not too classy you know I'm I'm, I'm a blue collar boy and I like to keep it humble and I like to just have a ratty rod that's got a lot of horsepower and it's not too flash nice nice okay a couple of final questions for you the way you're talking you respect the next generation coming through which I think is really cool but you still dig what you do on a bike it still gives you a massive buzz so this is not Robbie Madison although you've got a great new project um, on the boil here you're far from giving up what you love doing is that right? 
Yeah, I think what I love, and I've just recently had this realisation because I was kind of at a standpoint, even if you spoke to me a few months ago, where I was like, oh, I don't know if freestyle motocross is for me anymore because it just it's all and out. All of a sudden, it seems really dangerous. But Because uh, of family. Because yeah. of family and because of the injuries I'm carrying. I, I have uh, a snapped uh, labrum in my right shoulder and a snapped ACL. That it's, it's been broken since I've been nine years old, but I recently had it fixed and they changed the angle of my leg. And then at the Twins World 12 hour, the, the guy is out there. I don't know who it is, but some guy ran me over on purpose and snapped my ACL and never stopped to apologise and, and I went I went to ride off to try and catch up with him he hit me so hard it derailed my chain and uh, and so I, I just don't know who the guy is but it was a blatant like uh, we came together in a corner just a general I was in a rut he jumped into the rut and I hit the guy and then we both went down I got up and I said sorry dude you jumped in the rut last time I had nowhere to go and it seemed like we were all cool and then I assume I turned my back. He read Madison on my on my back and see the Red Bull helmet. And next minute, out of nowhere, this bike just slammed me from into my knee first in the bike, and then. Uh so, long story short, I'm carrying a knee injury and a shoulder injury and, and now a back injury. So, because of these injuries, I haven't been able to train. So, I lost my mental kind of health a little bit um, over the last six months. I, uh, From not releasing the endorphins every day when I'm normally training and exercising, I kind of just got myself in a bit of a dark place. And then uh, and that's when I kind of gave up on the bike thing and was not riding and was not really doing too good. And um and then I went and did this rehabilitation thing, um, which is uh, it's amino acids with NADs, and it kind of res- resets all your receptors. And and uh, it's a trial thing for people with like um, with, with uh, you know alcohol abuse, drug abuse, head injuries. That's why I went because of the head injuries I've had. Um, they reckon that they can restore you from. So if, if I'd have had this right after I've had my last seizure, they may have been able to like restore me right away rather than have it take. Because the last seizure I had, it took about three years for me to really kind of wow. get. I mean, I could speak and stuff. But my 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 memory was shot and my recollection was really cloudy. And it's kind of like I had this mental fog going on where it just seemed like I was in the mist all the time. And only recently I've, I've been able to get the clarity back. Um, and so and I'm not sure if that's tied to some candida stuff. But anyway, it's uh, I've put my body through the ringer, and and it for for the most part it started to really kind of get me down. But uh, yeah, just recently I realised I love riding my dirt bike. I feel good on the bike again. I rode here yesterday, and and all of a sudden it all clicked again. And I feel good, but. Uh, I think I'm going to... My plan is after I have these surgeries is to get myself back to the best fitness I've been at, even as an old man, and, and just keep riding my bike, riding with the kids. So there's a lot of enjoyment for me to have in the future. and I hope to be able to go trail riding and, and stuff with the family and, you know, obviously at a different pace, but motorcycles is a lifestyle for me and I, and I want to keep riding them until the day I die. It's been fantastic to spend some time with you, mate. You've got a fantastic new book out for youngsters at the moment. You've got a great motto in life, and I have no doubt that that's inspiring that next generation. Thanks, Rusty. It's a pleasure to talk to you, and it's a pleasure to be back here in Australia and see all the fans and, and, and feel the warmth and, and stuff. And I a lot of people bought the book, and so I hope that that book inspires the, the next Robbie Madison. On the next episode of Rusty's Garage, I talk with someone whose love of cars from the past made him an icon of automotive design. He's also hosted the TV series Overhaulin, restoring some incredible machines. His name is Chip Foose. The first episode was going to be a Mustang turned into a lawnmower. Second one was going to be a Ford Explorer turned into a trash truck. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, you're trying to build these monsters on television, and at the end of the episode, there's really no value to the car. You're building it to perform a task. And I'm back at my shop trying to build the most beautiful pieces of rolling, drivable art that I can possibly build. And I thought, you're going to put me on television building these other things that are going to overshadow what I do. So I said no. I wasn't interested in doing it. 
And it's the best business no I've ever given. Because then a few months later, uh, Bud Brutzman, another producer, came in and said, Discovery wants to do a, a show based on your life. Rusty's Garage is written and presented by me, Greg Rust. Series producer and editor is Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener.